I'm so good at math. Count it up, count it up, count it up, count it. Count it up, count it up, count it up, count it. Count it up, count it up, count it up, count it. Can't take it when you die, but you can't live without it. Count it up, count it up, count it up, count it. Count it up, count it up, count it up, count it. Count it up, count it up, count it up, count it. Can't take it when you die. Big bills, big bills. I fell in love with big wheels and quick. My drinkin' runnin' tip drills Can't sit still Don't give a f*** if it kills It mix well I'm only countin' big bills Big bills I fell in love with big wheels And quick thrills My drinkin' runnin' tip drills Can't sit still Don't give a f*** if it kills It mix well I'm only countin' Proceed with caution I heard if you taste it, it only results in A hole in your heart, Good. I take the whole cake and I won't leave a portion It's only your organ, thank God mama couldn't afford the abortion The loneliest orphan, I flip my misfortune and grow me a fortune My role is scorching, them niggas that hate it are slowly endorsing Not cold and important, my niggas beside me like Tommy and Martin We ballin' your court and escape with your b- like we turn to your heart in. She don't need a garments, she horny from all of the money we countin' Count it up, count it up, count it up, count it Count it up, count it up, count it up Count it, count it up, count it up, count it up, count it. Can't take it when you die, but you can't live without it. Count it up, count it up, count it up, count it. Count it up, count it up, count it up, count it. Count it up, count it up, count it up, count it. Can't take it when you die. You like that, right? Right? Yeah, great. Yeah. We did. Yeah. We in this yeah. thing. 2019. Here we go. Let's go. Here's a podcast. Here you go, Juju. Yeah. Introduce All right, Dan. All right. Welcome back. Episode two of the Cool Kids. I'm your girl, Juju, and I got my fabulous co-host with me. Dave, Dave, say what's up to everybody. 
Juju on that beat. Juju on that beat. Well. That was it. I just wanted to say Juju on that beat. I think you should explain. <laughs> There's been like a two week gap. You don't. I don't think you don't have to explain, but I think the people deserve some explanation because they've been waiting. People have been anticipating episode two since like two weeks ago. Juju, what was wow. going on? Are you saying we've done people like Issa? An awkward like black either. girl. Not awkward black girl, sorry. Insecure oh, where um yeah. you know, there's not gonna be another season for a while. Is yeah. it not? Yeah, not they're not gonna record um or rather film until twenty twenty, so Oh really? There's a gap. Why so long? Uh, Issa has blown up, so she yeah. got other priorities and projects and fancy things on her plate. So, um yeah. Um, we, are no Issa, right? we are no Issa, right? We are no Issa. Yeah, we're no Issa. We're no Issa. No. no. <laughs> so what's been going on with you? So what's been going on? Um, do you want that to other people? Like, is it super personal? But I kind of put you on the spot. So it's like you have to. I don't know if you want to. Or... I mean, I could always make something up. But, no, no I'd be, can. like, super transparent. No, it's cool. I'll be super transparent. Um, so I actually had a death in the family, um, and my priority was being there for there for and with um, my family during that time. So I won't get into the details of it. Um, just know that there are times where life seems very unfair, but we all know, as we talked about in the first episode, the divine providence of God and us knowing what we know in our moments and not knowing what lies ahead. And so I'm going to lean into that and not expound upon it more than that at this time. That's respectful. Um, so, yeah, Thanks. so let's go into the episode. How you doing? Yeah. First off, so, I mean, you're super prepared. Like, you hit me up with this super long text message today that really caught me off guard um, about oh. format and everything. I wasn't as prepared as you are today. So I, it feels like you you're ready funny. today. You are, you are. Um, no, I'm still, I am still the joy to your whoopee. Um, you are the <laughs> entertainment professional, and I am the C-rate comedian. So, yes. <laughs> so we we have a new format for everybody listening. Um, so let's. I'm gonna let you jump this off with the pleasantries. I misread this when you first sent it. I'm not gonna say what, what did I you think I said. I said? I'm not going to say what I thought it said, but I was like, okay. huh? <laughs> <How> <laughs> then was I was that? like, oh, oh pleasant. Oh, yeah, I like I like combining two words together. It was early. I, I had you know my what? Coffee. You know what? My mind has already deciphered where you're going with that. Yeah. Yep. Do y'all know that Dez is a preacher? Do y'all know that? They, they let this man lead a church. Yeah. They let him lead a church. It's a yeah. cool church, nonetheless. You you okay. haven't been though, so you can't really make that. <laughs> I have been to your church yeah. virtually. Oh yeah, you can catch that. him on Facebook Live. <laughs> <laughs> He's a quintessential yes. millennial pastor. He's got I Facebook am, Live going. Right? <laughs> <laughs> I am the quintessential millennial. I did something the other day. I think I wore my hat backwards in service, and I was like. I'm such a millennial pastor. I'm such a millennial pastor. You yeah. are such a millennial pastor. Like it's it's legit. 
um, you you rent a space, like it's a startup church, right? It like is. you rent a space, it, yeah. yeah. So you can so you can spend your time on offering on giving back to the community and not having to upkeep a facility and. Yes, yes. Like we can, we that's can do the stuff like that. Yeah, that's what millennial pastors do. Like, you know, yeah, millennial so. Christians' orientation to the faith is so different, right? Like, you have Bible study over craft beers because uh, it's I, about I fellowship. I have done that. See, see, I'm kind of pissed because the place that I did it, I can't do it at now because there's somebody oh. else occupying that space full oh. time. And I can't, oh. I can't get in there. You know. So I have to find uh, a new group. Is this group. top secret? I mean, no. I was, I had a couple of Bible studies at 18th Street. Um, oh, okay. here, so for those listening, uh, I live in the Miller area. 18th Street Brewery is one of my favorite breweries. Always has been and always will be. Um, the one in Miller had like this back area where you could, you could bring kids because they, it was technically wasn't the bar. So you could have, like, family dinners over there, bring kids and serve food. But, like, it wasn't really utilized that much during the week. So um, I would just go in there and have a Bible study. But yeah. uh, somebody came in. It's not, it's not any shade. I'm not mad. I'm not mad at them. just kind of, like, I'm being selfish, okay? But it's an awesome owner of a kombucha shop, coffee shop. Um, was honest open when you were here? Honest kombucha? Yeah. Yeah. They move so across she- the Yep, she occupied that other area in 18th Street now, so that all that is hers. And it's, it's beautiful, oh. it's delightful. Yeah, I love almonds, kombucha. I love kombucha. I love three things I like as it relates to drink. I love kombucha. I love coffee, and I love beer. So I've got all of those things in one spot, and it's like the best of all three worlds. But so yeah, I can't. I have you to just find a new can't place. have Bible study. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, because she's using it. You know, <laughs> it, it would be like disruptive. So yeah. But do you find it remarkable that millennial Christians have no problem with having Bible study in a brewery? But I feel like our parents' generation, definitely our grandparents, would be like, oh, you're going to take the word of God into a brewery? But they kind of skip over the fact that, like, please don't think I'm blasphemous when I say this, but, like, they're going to skip over the fact that, like, Jesus' first miracle was turning water into wine. That is accurate. And he did it to keep the party going. He did. He did. That is yeah, absolutely right. Um, he did I it to keep the party going. I and it was Christian, the good stuff, too. They brought out the best wine. <laughs> it was the he, best wine. He didn't, he didn't make no boom farm. It was a boom farm. It was like, a boom farm, which we're not right. knocking boom farm. If you want to be a sponsor one day, boom. It we're wasn't not home. It wasn't no. barefoot. It was barefoot stuff with a cork in it. You know, it was a good wine. But that's neither here nor there. I'm sorry. I cut you off this. Go ahead. No, I think that's a good that's an excellent point. I think that older, when I say older, I mean in the sense of the traditionalist and of Christians kind of, I think we create our own definition of like what sin is, like mm-hmm. drinking beer. Like, that's not a sin. And to me, this might sound blasphemous, but cursing isn't a sin. It's like not scripturally backed up. What that, you talking uh, about, Dad? <laughs> it's maybe like 
immoral depending on your stance on it, but it's like no scripture that says as somebody Thou shalt not cuss. Right. Somebody somebody referenced the scripture blessings and cursing should not come out of your mouth to me. And it's not like I was just in there cursing up a thorn. But they were trying to defend the fact that you should not cuss because blessings and curses should not come out of your mouth. That's what the Bible says. But cuss, cursing is doesn't mean cuss. It mean like speaking, right. It's like cursing somebody. Like you, you're gonna die. You know what I'm saying? Like that's what right, that's right, what right. you're talking about. Not profanity. I mean, no. Now, do I go around randomly cursing? No, <laughs> because it's societal. I don't think that's like polite. <laughs> but yeah, it's not because of yeah, whatever. <laughs> I'm gonna cuss and drink a pastor. You know, so hey. There it is, folks. There it is. There it is. He's a cussing, drinking pastor. (laughs) I was pushing for a confession this whole time. That's what you wanted, and I just gave it to you. I drink beer. No, I don't cuss a lot. Not a whole lot. (laughs) (laughs) All right, so listen, back to the pleasantries. Did you hear me confessing my whole life? That's right. That's right. Um and I think that that is where we can put a pin in our pleasantry. <laughs> oh, that was it? Well, that's a pleasantry? That, that was so pleasant. That was so pleasant. Um, <laughs> I actually enjoyed the pleasantry. Yeah. <laughs> I think people want more pleasantry. Um, I mean, roses are red, violets are blue. Um, beer is brown, you know. Beer is brown, <laughs> and Jesus kept the party going. Yeah, uh, usually, I don't do this, but um, go ahead, keep the party going. Go ahead, keep the party going. Nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, there's a go lot ahead. going on. There is. Yeah, I was gonna say there's a there's a lot happening. Lots of things have happened since we connected. Um. But one thing that was blowing up my news feed this morning was um, Christopher Hassan. Have you heard about Christopher Hassan, Des? I'm Honestly, I didn't hear about it until you told me about it. So I read up on it, um, and yeah. I, got some, I gathered some information, a little disturbed, and pondered some things. But um, you mm-hmm. want to fill the people in on, on what exactly happened with Christopher yeah, so for those of you who have not heard about Christopher Hassan, um, he is a Coast Guard officer who was meticulously plotting um, a terror attack. And so um, his plan as a white supremacist was to um, target Supreme Court justices that he viewed to be more liberal, um, folks in the entertainment industry, specifically news correspondents at at CNN and ABC, um, anyone who was um, detracting from the dream of a white society. Um, And so he was arrested couple months ago in Maryland, um, the authorities raided his home. They found drugs. They found an arsenal of weapons. And now his public defender, and I think this is where it kind of goes left for me, because when most people have a public defender, it's a wrap for them. But here's this white supremacist with a public defender who's planning to kill black people. Um, He actually Google searched what are the best guns 
with, yeah. with which to kill African Americans. Um, like, let, let, wait, wait, so like, <laughs> like there's a better. You remember playing like arcade games? So like, yeah, playing Super Mario to defeat Bowser, you had to be like Super Mario. You could you had to eat the mushroom or whatever, right? Because you couldn't right. kill Bowser regular. So is there like a a special black gun to kill black like? Regular guns Apparently. just not gonna kill a black person. You need like that Luke Cage special bullet, like it penetrates black skin because we're hard to right. kill. Right. I mean, it's almost like the movie Get Out, where we're kind of sorry, spoiler alert. If you haven't seen Get Out, oh where we're kind of muted. <laughs> I hope you're joking. Are you? Serious? I I'm joking. I've seen it twice. Oh, okay, okay. <laughs> So, you know, like, we're kind of viewed as superhuman, right? And our physical bodies are coveted because of their superhuman qualities. Um, and so I, that's what that really reminded me of when like vampires. he's like, yo, I need special guns to kill the black put, folks. You got to put hot sauce on the bullets. That's what makes our bodies weaken. <laughs> it puts our bodies in a weakened state. Hot, sauce, and that's how you, hot sauces are kryptonite. Put, is that what you put, say? Yeah, you put a little hot sauce on it, dip it in some fried chicken grease, and then we're dead. <laughs> like, that's I don't think it. so. I think if anything, that would strengthen us. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. You're like, you put that on the bullets. Um, we should not be joking about dipping bullets in hot sauce and chicken grease. But, um... At the same time, like, this man has a public defender, and they are releasing him. Like, that's that's where they are right now. They are releasing him. So there's actually a judge, Charles Day, who I looked up because I'm curious, and he is a black man. He is a federal circuit court judge in Maryland, and he says he has grave concerns about Hassan um, being released back into the general population but at the same time he's like he's got a whole lot of supervision somebody who's got eyes and ears on him like nobody's business i don't know what that means is it olivia pope is olivia pope babysitting him um (laughs) they're gonna let this white supremacist who had an arsenal of weapons well you know he's not gonna have access to his weapons there are two weapons that are still unaccounted for Two weapons can still, like, inflict pain on a mass of people. Like, you can still execute a mass shooting with two weapons. You can. Um, Columbine, right, was a good example of that. Um, Las Vegas. What really struck me in this, Mm -hmm. um, everything you said is correct. I mean, of course it's correct. But that, that alarms me. But then, yeah, like how you said he was searching. So one report I read said that he was searching for like judges. Like, do judges have security? You know what I'm saying? Like, do they have protection? Right. Like all of these right. clear red, red signs that this man was about to do harm to people. But so is it? I guess the the age old question is: Is this white privilege at its best or worse? Yeah. I don't know how you want to frame <laughs> the question, right? <laughs> so like. <laughs> It, it it is white privilege at its best. Like, the fact that this is so egregious, and he has a public defender. We all know what public defenders equate to for black folks. That means you going up the river for good. Oh, yeah. Kiss oh, your yeah. family oh, yeah. goodbye. You're never going to see him again. 
But he has a, a public defender, a state-appointed person is defending him when he's trying to commit crimes against the state. And they're the still going to send him home. No. They were – one of the reports I read was, like, trying to compare him to Donald Trump and saying, like, yes. you know, yeah, you saw that? Yes. It's, they said that he uses the same racial epithets and language that Donald Trump uses in his tweets. And any racial slurs that he used, they said, are part of the national vocabulary. Mm. Yeah, he's not a racist. He's not a racist. Like, yeah, you know. I mean, they, I know. they know he's a racist. He's he's a self-professed white supremacist. The issue is that white supremacy runs our country. White supremacy undergirds our government. And so they're going to release someone into society who wants to make moving targets out of people who are not white. Well, because the, the I don't know if it was Nipsey, I forgot who the rapper was, but in one of their mm-hmm. songs, this was recent, they say, 2 chains." out of all people, 2 chains." which if you mm-hmm. haven't heard his album, you should definitely go listen to it. One of the messages in one of the songs is like, you know, society or white people pretty much, they don't want us to think. They don't want us to be free. You know, they would rather kill us, and our lives are of no value. Black people's lives are of no value unless we're jumping for a ball, dancing, singing, or rapping. And I can mm-hmm. see that playing out in this scenario. The value of the black life means nothing unless it can make a white person some money, you know? 100%. But, that's our purpose in this country. Not just in this country, any country that's been colonized, um, imperialized, the purpose of people of color is to make white people money. I've been thinking about, like, consciously thinking about how to say no. So I'm not in the position of a a Zion Williams, right, Williamson, not in the position of a LeBron. Mm -hmm. Um, But if somebody threw a bunch of money at me, and say, yep. hey, dance. You know, right now, I would be like, no, of course. I would stick to my values. I would keep my integrity. I'm not dancing. for. I'm nobody's monkey. But mm-hmm. then I think about the money, though. You know what I'm saying? Like some, like the draft. The perfect example is the NFL draft, which is happening this week. Weekend. Yeah. So all the and, – and the – the the um grouping the the demographic of the of the draft has changed dramatically over the past I want to say twenty years where you don't see a whole lot of Caucasians you see a lot more African Americans that are really dominating the NFL and the NBA a lot of major league sports black people yeah. so you got these young black kids who come from more than likely impoverished area play for a high school single parent household and you know on one end you want to say man they're about to take this money and pimp themselves out for this owner who more than likely is white with a hairpiece, right? That lives in this mansion that <laughs> you said with a hairpiece <laughs> that owns these kids. But then on the flip side, I'm looking at a Jew like the kid came from having nothing. Can I blame him? 
Because to me, the NFL trade, the draft, all of that is a modern-day slave trade. To me, it's a modern-day slave trade. I'm going to give the, this player to the highest bidder. I'm going to pay as much money mm-hmm. as I can for this mm-hmm. African, for this young black male to jump really high, run really fast, and, and hit really hard. Modern-day slave mm-hmm. trade. So, but can I blame the kids, though, who came from nothing and who said, you know what, this could be my ticket to help my family. You, you, you feel me? You feel my fight? I I completely understand where you're coming from. Like, the system that we live in puts you in a no-win situation, right? Like, um, it's interesting that you made the slavery metaphor, because I even think about the language of the, the structure, right? So, like, you have the owners. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The owners. What? Yeah. The owners yeah. are upset that the players are protesting. That's that's man, right? Mad at cat because wait, you have a you you do what we tell you to do. You play you play you do what we you tell play. you to do. You play. That's it. You don't. You, you don't are not play. your you own talk. person. You're not. That's deep. Mm. The language. You're not See, your you own that, person. You got the educational background. Yeah, that's a that's I an academia you. coming out. Yeah, you are hilarious. That was good. That was good. Professor, <laughs> uh, <laughs> professor, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean, just to like just to bring it back, um, because I should get somewhere else. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, uh, it's all a lie. Though it's it just it speaks to our society as a whole and how a black person's value is only to provide capital. Yeah. Um that's it. Very true. That's as it. in the case of Chris, well if he's randomly if he if he had an agenda to kill a bunch of black people, nobody yeah. cares. Right. No right. one cares. No one cares. Unless, of course, you know, it's someone who's going to make a, a, an owner, almost said a player, an owner a ton of money. Then it's like, oh, that's my property. Watch out. Don't do not do it. Don't do it. Don't injure my property. Isn't it amazing um, how, like, black kids and black women, and, you know, are, are raped, abused, molested, killed every day? But the moment, mm-hmm. and uh, maybe I shouldn't say this, but I'm going to say it. <laughs> but the moment it happens to somebody who is like a pedigree, who has some monetary connection to a record label or a team, then everybody's like, oh, my God, the injustice. But, like, this stuff is happening in cities every day. Like you, you mentioned earlier, there was another mm-hmm. killing of a, of a little girl, right? Yeah, so um, this is a disturbing trend. Did you like that, that segue, though? Did, did you like that I segue? did, I did. That, yeah. that was yeah. a Whoopi Goldberg review. Um, I don't even watch Whoop. the view, so I think maybe I should watch it to see how she does things. You absolutely should, yes. So you can see where these parallels are that I'm trying to draw. Yeah, because I don't even get them. I'm, I'm just not. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, I'm Whoopi. Typical um, man, yeah, yeah, okay, okay. <laughs> so there, uh, there's a disturbing trend, at least I think it's disturbing, that's emerging in schools, and that is 
um, students being beaten to death. Um, like bullying has become so extreme um, that other students are pummeling their classmates um, to the point that they pass away. Um, so maybe a month ago, there was a student in South Carolina who um, was 13 and she was involved in a classroom fight. And the classroom fight ultimately led to her having severe um, brain damage and internal damage to organs. Um, and, and she died as a result of her injuries. And it stemmed from bullying. Um, and just yesterday, the same thing happened to another little girl. Now, both of these little girls are Black. Um, we don't know the identity of the students who were bullying them. Um, I'm going to go out on a limb and say that it, it's intra-racial violence. Mm. Um, and Define between, intra-racial violence for those who are listening. Yes, intra-racial violence is an um, academic way of saying black-on-black crime. Um <laughs> The the more and, you know. <laughs> the more you know. Uh, you and remember so, the whole thing. Um, eerie. Mm-hmm, with the little rainbow. Yeah, with the rainbow. Star. Was that a part of the reading rainbow? Nope. It was an NBC after school. Mm. Anyway, sorry. We're getting sidetracked. But, <laughs> but, you know, bullying has now taken two pathways of I'm going to beat you to death. I'm going to bully you until you take your own life. And this is something that is coming to the forefront in the black community as of late, where you're seeing young black boys taking their lives and you're seeing young black girls being beaten by their classmates. Um, and the question is just like, what, what, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? Like, where's it coming from? I have theories on where it's coming from, but, like, what are we going to do? Okay, I want, I want you to give – are you going to give your theories in this podcast? Because I'm oh, going to give them. I'm or super vocal it? about this. Okay, well, wait, let me, let me say this. I feel like your theories are about to be long. So let me say this, and then mm-hmm. you give your theories because I do want to hear them. I think that bullying yeah. – like, my wife and I talk about all the time how um, – I was bullied in school, like, in a devastating way. I would leave school in tears sometimes because I was just bullied by peers and by classmates. And I wasn't the only one. Like, so many other kids were bullied in elementary school, in middle school. And in the black community, and I can only speak based off of my experience, the black community, bullying wasn't really something like, oh, my gosh, you're bullying Desmond or you're bullying Johnny something needs to be done about this. It's almost like it was a right of passage in the black schools. You know what I'm saying? Or on, and then on yep. the flip side, because I am half Puerto Rican, and uh, like my cousins, they, did, they went to predominantly white schools. They went to schools in like Porter County because they lived in Portage. And mm-hmm. I would go over there for the weekend, and the moment one of my cousins bullied my aunt, you know, my uncle, they would be on it. And, and in those schools, like, that was unacceptable. Like, you know, if you're bullying somebody, you will get expelled or suspended. Like, in, in my school, Edison Middle School in Gary, you told mm-hmm. the teacher you were being bullied, the teacher will bully you. Like, why are you telling right. you? Know, you know, 
man up. Like, why you know, are you snitching? So, why are you snitching? Like, dude, you're, yeah. you're 50. You're my teacher. Help me. Save me. <laughs> Help me. Crazy. But in the black, um, almost at the black church, in the black school, it was like it was okay. And it's, I, I don't get that that separation of right and wrong. You know what I'm saying? Like, we can look at yeah. things in our, in our culture and say, okay, it's a part of the culture. Like, it's acceptable. Mm-hmm. Like, that's okay. But then in other communities, it's like, no, we're not. That's not cool. And, and so what happens is you have these little kids who grow up, and they are drastically affected, you know, post being bullied. And now it's bothering them in their workplace and their families, as a, as a, as a father, et cetera, and et cetera. And then stuff mm-hmm. like this. Now, I think we're seeing the tides turn because in 2019, I think socially people are getting more aware. Um, but, yeah, mm-hmm. I, that, that was my dissertation. I, I want to hear your thoughts, Juju. Yeah, I, I think we're alive, though, because oh, thank I, God. I was, was subjected to <laughs> – don't be nervous. I was subjected <laughs> to bullying as well growing up. Like, there was not a day in middle – or high, not high school, I'm sorry, it ended by high school, but elementary or middle school where I was not subjected to bullying by my peers. And what, what, I'm curious to know, like, what were some of the things, like, what were you bullying about? Because I think every every kid had, like, that marquee thing. I hate to say it that way, but there was that yeah. thing that you got bullied about. Like, what was yours? Uh, so there were, there were three. Um, one was my height. I don't seem that tall now, but I've been this tall since I was 10. So for those of you who can't see me, I'm five foot six. I don't so think anybody was, can see you right now. <laughs> I was like, those of you can't see me. Well, some everyone. of you, like, are people looking through your window? I don't know how. <laughs> they might be. They yeah. might be. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I was considered very tall growing up, and I got teased about my height relentlessly. I was also chubby, so there was, like, the height-weight correlation thing that happened. Um, I've always been very bookish, so I was called a nerd, a snob, and ultimately called white because I value mm. my intellect. Education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, yep, yep. The zinger of a mom. So, like, I definitely got called white girl a lot until I moved to the suburbs. And somehow, like, being black and intelligent was acceptable. Hmm. Which says a lot, and this is where I think we're aligned, which says a lot about um, our level of self-esteem in our community. Where we think when someone is pursuing academic excellence or they carry themselves a certain way, I got called stuck up all the time. And I'm not a snob. Anyone who gets to know me knows, like, I'm not stuck up. I'm not a snob. But there's a perception of the way I carried myself. The fact that I was quiet and I stayed out of the fray and, like, I was serious about my studies. Those things brought out insecurities in other people. Yeah, yeah. And that's did, what led to the bullying. Did you see yourself, like, trying to change? Because I don't know about your self-awareness in middle school, but maybe in high school you were like, okay, I'm not – or even in adulthood, like, okay, so I'm not stuck up. This is just your insecurity that you're trying to project upon me. So, did, But did you ever at one point see yourself, like, trying to not act that way to appease – 
those who are doing the bullying? Um, no, like, <laughs> I, I promise I'm not a masochist, no. but I I didn't see a point in changing because I had certain expectations at home, right? So I wasn't going to transform into this other person just to make my peers happy at school. I think what it did lead to was anxiety, depression, anger, Mm -hmm. suicidal ideation as a preteen and a teenager. Um, I think those things became very real for me because I felt like I was, I was stuck. Right. Like I can't escape the bullying. I can't be someone else. So like what what alternative do I have? I can kill myself and then yeah. they can't bully me or like I can fight and I can take that aggression out on other people. But um Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean and that's what we are seeing now. And I don't know if it's happening more. Um, or if we're just more aware because of the internet, but you're hearing more and more instances of students getting into these altercations that end in homicide or suicide. I think that to the latter piece of your point, I think that we're more aware because of social media and internet. I think the stuff that's been going on, I think that kids, have been having suicidal thoughts. They have been killed. They have been committing suicide. I think that the advent of the cell phone and the social media age has, like, opened our eyes to it being a real issue. Like, in the 80s, 90s, when we were in school, it was happening. But nobody saw it unless they were embedded in that community. You know, now it happens. It, the, the video can go viral of somebody being bullied. And so and now it's like, oh, now it's a social issue. There's always been a social issue. It's just that nobody really was able to have the access to see what we were going through in our worlds, right? I, I think that's kind of, at least that's 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 my take on it. It's also perception, right? Like there's this perception in our community that black folks don't deal with mental health. Period. Like oh, we God. we black, we don't get depressed. We black, um, we don't deal with suicidal ideation. But you know, I was reading an article that said that black kids commit suicide at twice the rate of white children. I get it. And get no it. one would ever consider that that could be possible. That is so good. Like this could be a whole hour conversation. We. we <laughs> I think we idolize the idea that we are innately stronger than, than what we try to, than what we really are. Like we mm-hmm. mothers, We're fathers. We're superhuman. Right, exactly. That's that superhuman, the Superman complex. We feel like we have to be this way. I remember the first yeah. time I had, um, I've had two anxiety attacks in my adult life. And the first time, mm-hmm. I didn't know what it was until like after I had it and I started reading on it. And then it, it kind of opened my mind to, okay, this is something that people deal with on a regular basis. Like, how can mm-hmm. I kind of, how do I treat this? How do, and that's when I started looking at, like, the therapy and the meditating and other other formats and other methodologies. But it kind of opened my eye to the broader scope of depression and anxiety 
and how it goes on in the black community. Because like you said, we don't yeah. we don't talk about it. Like we, we because we have to put on this facade that we are you know what I'm saying? Like you ask you ask yes. the black man, black woman, like, yo, I I know your father just died. I know for yep. a fact that you were very close to your dad. How are you doing? I'm like, no, you're not. Like, mm-hmm. it's like we, we make it seem like it's weak to be able to express our feelings and our emotions. And I don't think that's a choice, though. I believe that we have been bred and conditioned since the day our ancestors stepped off the boat that, and this is why I struggle with people talking about, I'm going to teach black kids grit. No, no, the hell you're not. Like, <laughs> it is in the DNA. It is. <laughs> you can't teach black kids grit. It's in the DNA. Like, once the ancestor stepped off the boat, it w- there was no option to be anything other than superhuman. And we have carried that to the point where We don't have the option now. Like we, there, there's question. no backpedaling on it. I have an interesting question for you, though, and I hate, I don't yeah. want to cut you off because you're making some good no, points. But fine. like, do do you think it's more detrimental to us now than because granted, stepping off the boat, granted stepping onto a, a, a plantation and being a slave, granted stepping into um, the civil rights and, and segregation, but now things are different. It's not all the way different. No, racism is not all the way different. It's not. We are still a disenfranchised people. We are still the minority. We're still, as you can tell by the news, we are still like targets and we're still being mistreated. But do you think that our attempt to remain super strong is actually killing us? Like, do you think, because I think about like, like, I ha- I hate to call on my favorite TV show, which is This Is Us, but there's a there's a character in the show for those who don't watch it named Randall. Randall's African American, he's a strong black man, father, husband, you know, faithful, great great dad, great son. He has these moments though, where as strong as he is, he's weak, and he will express that in, in to his wife, to his sister, his brother, his children. And it's like almost the first time I saw it, Juju, I was like, man, that kind of goes against what I was taught. Mm-hmm. It showed me right. that if, if you if you allow yourself to be vulnerable, that's really uh, omitting, that's really showing strength, right? As opposed to trying to act, you know, so gravitose that your chest poked out that, that you got it all together, but you really don't. Like admitting, okay, this is broken. I'm broken here in this moment. Can you help fix me? We don't see that in, in our society. And, and it was refreshing to see. But to my question, though. But it takes courage to be vulnerable. Not putting your business, like, vulnerability is not putting your business out in the street. No. Vulnerability is having an awareness, an emotional intelligence. Um, I think we we believe vulnerability is like, oh, I got to tell everybody everything that's happening internally, but it's not. It's a way that you show up in a space. And it's almost a recognition or an acknowledgement to yourself of where you are and what you need and naming that. And um, do I think that 
black people needing to be superhuman in every situation is killing black people? Yes, 100%. You cannot be superhuman all the time. It's an unfair expectation, and it allows everyone else to fall back and not play their role. That's good. Like, if it's understood that you're going to step in and save the day all the time, other people are not going to lean in. And carry and share the burden and carry that weight with you. Okay, it's we're forty two minutes in the conversation. You uh, keep us you keep us on the tight ship. <laughs> I I love this conversation. I just want to. Do you want to move to the next topic, or we can stay here? You're the captain. Uh, I'm just I'm just co-anchoring. What? <laughs> I'm gonna put no. that ball in your court. <laughs> Look. Listen, y'all, he's trying to switch positions. He is whoopee, and I enjoy. I, but... Can we use, like, a Donnie and Michael reference? Captain and Daniel. Here it is. You are Michael and I am Scotty. Oh, I want to be the owner. I want to be a, I want to be a lady. Oh, no, what do you want to do? You want to keep going on this, or do you want to switch topics? Um... We can transition. I think it's a topic that's going to continue to surface. Um, I feel like with Brene Brown and the vulnerability movement, um, that, like, this is a theme that's going to continue to resurface. And I see black millennials pushing the agenda on Mm -hmm. the evolution of our people embracing their emotions. Yeah, um, and leaning into emotional intelligence and being in touch and so practicing self care, <laughs> which can become cliche sometimes. But um, I think we're just headed in a new direction, and it's refreshing for me because we are going to need to have all of our mental, emotional, and physical strength for what is ahead. Every time, and I'll leave keep, it at that. You keep saying something that like sparks this fire in me. Um, but emotional intelligence, I'm not, I'm not going to even dive into that because it'll be like a whole another twenty minutes. <laughs> but right, right. Like it, we only got forty four minutes. That is, that's good, man. <laughs> that's good. Like the evolution of the black person is is coming. You, you hear me? Like it's coming. Yeah. Like we we have progress. But I don't think that we've evolved. And I think that, like, we're getting ready to see the full, not the full evolution, not the full evolution, but an evolution of what it means to be black in America. And I think that's going to come with, like, emotional intelligence. Um, You're going to see us dropping some old habits because millennials are really, we are responsible. See, I'm doing it. I knew I I was going to do it. Okay. (laughs) Black culture. Black culture. What we got? And for, okay, I keep yelling out random. I keep yelling out random things, and people are thinking like, "What the hell what do you think of black culture?" Right? <laughs> black culture is a segment. It's a segment of the show. It's called "We Hit on Black Culture." So I'm not just like I don't have to rest. <laughs> um, I mean, like I feel like we've touched on it the last um, the last fifteen with the with the other conversation, but just like in terms of black pop culture, I don't even know if we can give this its due, but. Um, <laughs> Baychella slash homecoming. Um, what what you got? Did did you listen to it? What you got? So so listen, listen, man. I may I may lose all types of respect from people. I don't 
I'm going to tell you the day I became a Beyonce fan. The okay, day, the day my wife has been a, a part of the Beehive, and, you know, I was like, I like it because I love Jay-Z. Jay-Z is my favorite mm-hmm. rapper. Okay? I heard Lemonade. Okay. Like, that the week it came out. Um, and that album, I don't know if she wrote every song, but I fell in love with that album. I fell in love with Beyonce as a as an artist. And so now I've been on this kind of Beyonce thing. Like, I'm interested. Whenever she drops something, I check it out. Um, so I watched the I, – I didn't watch all of the documentary. I watched a little bit of it. I listened to the live album because I have title, um, <laughs> which we conveniently do not have a podcast on. I need Jay-Z to fix that. But I have title. <laughs> so I listened to the, to the live album, man, and, hey, I'm a part of the Beehive. So I'm I'm okay with that. I'm gonna put that out there. I'm a part of the Beehive now. Like, hey, the chick can do no wrong to me. I have so much mad respect for Beyonce. Um, yeah. And again, she's doing what black women have been doing for ages. Um, so it's nothing new under the sun. But I have a newfound yeah. respect for her as an artist. But I just didn't. Yeah. I'm not a woman, you know. I I, I didn't touring and. Just a commitment level in that respect, and she she's mad dope, man. I um, that was some stuff. I think that she somebody made a statement I didn't agree with, and I wanted to punch him in the face. So what they said was, I was this, say, what's the statement? Basically, they um, what's the homecoming thing was like the best representation of black people in like an art form such as music, video wise. And then somebody was like, dude, have you never seen like Michael Jackson black or white? <laughs> and he was like, no, nah, that didn't really represent us. He was like, dude, it was a whole, like, Egypt. Like, you've seen the video, right? Just yeah, like, yeah, with uh, the morphing faces. The rest of the morphing faces. Yeah, like, every top black entertainer. That made me mad when you made that statement. Because I was like, yeah. I mean, this is dope, but don't, like, like overshadow what Michael Jackson did with that video. But anyway, it was amazing. I liked it. I'm down with the beat I I also saw um <laughs> I also saw the what is it called? It's not a music video, the visual album. Yeah. Yeah, the visual yeah. album um for Homecoming and um I'm not a member y'all don't don't be upset with me. I'm not a member to, of the Bayhive. You need to come to the um, Bayhive. Is it Bayhive? Am I saying it right? Is it Beehive I, or Beehive? I always call it the Beehive. It might be the Beehive. Beehive, And that's why you're not in it. That's why you're not in it. You're not even saying the name right. Ain't got no membership. Ain't got no card. Um, so I'm not a member of the Beehive or the Beehive. Um, but that does not preclude me from um, respecting Beyonce's gangster. Uh, I think you made a great point when you said that she's doing what black women have been doing for centuries, right? Uh, she is pulling all the shifts. She's working the first shift. She's working yep. the second shift. She might be working the third shift. She's yep. showing up as a mother. She's a boss. Like, she's killing it. Um, and it was just incredible to watch her work. I don't think she's the best singer. I think she's nah. a hell of an entertainer, though. Uh, and her work ethic is unmatched. Um, so, yeah, yeah, I was, I was impressed. She, I was. Um, as a non-stan, as a non-Beyonce stan, 
I was impressed with, with homecoming. And it was a nod to the culture of historically black colleges and universities, Definitely. of which I wanted to attend one, but I didn't get any scholarship money. And PWIs were like, hey, for those of y'all who don't know what PWI stands for, it's predominantly white institutions, so basically your majority colleges and universities. Where did you go? Where did you go? I started at DePaul University in Greencastle, Indiana, and then um, I wound up finishing at Purdue. I've never heard anybody say DePaul. Like, it's two separate people. DePaul. Uh, DePaul. No, DePaul. DePaul? Is it? It's not DePaul. De, so there's DePaul with the W. That's where I went. And then there's DePaul in Chicago with the L. DePaul okay, is a Methodist okay. school. DePaul in the city is a Catholic school. Gotcha. Um, Thank you for the differentiation. Mm-hmm. Okay. Okay. No problem. Okay. No problem. <laughs> you had to um, <laughs> We would always have to say W's for winners, L is for losers. Uh, <laughs> but you know, it was just a nod to to that to that culture. Um, it's so interesting. Part of me wanted. I always feel like whenever some of our culture seeps out into the mainstream, mm. it becomes co-opted. And yeah, so I was like, yeah. oh, Beyonce, that might have been the one thing we still had that other people aren't imitating right now. Um, so I'm a little conflicted I, about I, that, but at the same time, honored. <laughs> I, I think it's cool. I think that, you know, because like you, I didn't, I wanted to go to HBCU. Um, yeah. I did, and so now at 30, I'm like, man, I really should have gone. Just for the cultural Red aspect school. of it, I'm not, <laughs> I'm, I'm not going back to school. I'm done. I, I, I cannot be in anybody's classroom for any amount of time, so I'm done. Howard, but, uh, but, Howard, I'm coming. Howard, um, I'll be there. And you go. Howard. You go. You'll love it, too. I, <laughs> you'll feel right, right in. You'll feel right in. You'll feel right in. Okay. Well, you uh-huh. know, the campus is, the area is gentrified, and now the campus is dealing with colonizers, but that's a whole other conversation. We'll say that for the, next the, week. The colonizers. <laughs> oh. The colonizers. Um, so in the, in the oh. 80s, like, a different world really brought out the mm. popularity of the HBCUs. So I think it kind of died down after, like, the 90s, like, mid-90s, and you didn't really hear yeah. Right, too much of it. I think this kind of like brought it back out, and I could be wrong. Yeah, that's just based on my opinion. I think that this really popularized for black kids. Like, I would hope yeah. that my younger sister or my children, when they get old enough, or even some of the young kids around around me in the in the neighborhoods I live in, that they would say, "Okay, man, I didn't even know like the 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 res the residents of the, the the richness of the culture of the HBCU, I gotta go, you know, and I hope that yeah. that's what this video diary documentary did for the HBCUs. I'm 100% there with you. My challenge to HBCU is make it more affordable. Um, like I said, I did get into a HBCU. I got into Hampton University. Um, if you talk to Howard or Howard alumni or Hampton alumni, they argue over which one is the real HU. That's neither here nor there. But um, Hampton gave me a loan package. Um, Grinnell College, Illinois Wesleyan, Cornell, and DePaul yeah. were like, here's some scholarship money. So um, it was like, do, do I have this rich cultural experience? So you sold um, out. You sold out. 
I did, and I have no student loan debt because I sold out. I'm and I'm cool with that. I'm 100 percent cool. Ain't, you with you, that. you ain't no real one. You're not really black if you got the student loan. You ain't got the student loan. You ain't really black. I have paid off all of my student loan debt because I made that choice. If I had decided to go to an HBCU, I would have taken out 25 plus G's annually, and I would still hey, have an incredible amount of debt. Isn't um, that crazy? So, the system. Oh, I don't want to get into it. <laughs> It's so crazy. But HBCUs, like, and let's make it more affordable. Government, do what you need to do to make it more affordable. Because um, we need to be able to have these diverse experiences to be able to be nurtured in your own community and be surrounded by um, be surrounded by your peers. So I'm here for it. Um, Des, we What's are the- at the 54-minute mark. We got to give the challenge though. You have you have to give the challenge because you were oh, yeah. adamant over the text about these challenges, and I prepared my challenge. I've done. Did my you? Yes, I Wait. did. So challenge day. Yeah, I I the moment. So let me tell you guys, <laughs> Juju, we communicate a lot through text message. Um, and so Juju was like. Challenge. What are you talking about? What's the chat? Like, I thought about Bill Cosby, you know, the one episode, the tap dancing challenge. Oh, yeah, I remember that. That's what came to my mind. Challenge. Yeah. Like, oh, you want to dance? You want to dance off? <laughs> so, but what you meant was there's a challenge that we give to you guys, something yeah. you should do. It might be something we're reading, something we're watching, some kind of, you know, hobby that we got going on that, that you guys should be. To try to take part in is, you know, expose your, expand your palate, I would say, mm-hmm. for experience. So what's your challenge, Susan? Or do you want me to give mine first? Yeah. Or, or like, why do you want to do um, You know what? Why don't you close us out with your challenge? I'm going to give mine real quick, and then you can close us out because, like, you're really great at putting a pin in things. I really feel um, like the pressure's on me now. <laughs> challenge is not that Um. So... We, like, talked about a lot of heavy things today, just in terms of, you know, white supremacy. (laughs) (laughs) White supremacy, bullying. Killing um, yourself. (laughs) Suicide, homicide. Um, And so one of the things that... Every show is not the grim, just for those who are listening. Every show is not the grim. Oh, no, it's not. The first one was full of levity. It's called Bellings. It's Black Girl (laughs) Bellings. Right. Um, And so one of the things that I just want to challenge people to do is to practice meditation and mindfulness. Um, This could be finding if you're a person of faith, going to your particular religious text and finding a scripture or reading that brings you joy and um, reflecting on that. Or it could just be like, a breath prayer um, where you repeat a mantra to yourself um, that that lifts your spirit. So for me this week, it's going to be I am embracing wholeness. Um, so okay. in moments where I'm feeling challenged, I'm embracing wholeness. I like that. So that's my yeah. challenge to you guys this week. Uh, find something that brings you joy to meditate on. All right, mine is an ask Serena that, listen, you all need to go and see Avengers Endgame. Go see it tonight, right now. I don't know what time I it is. I knew it. 
whatever time zone. Listen, man, I'm a nerd. I'm a super comic book geek. I've been waiting 11 years for this movie, Juju. When I tell you that, I have not anticipated something. I didn't even. I wasn't even this excited for the birth of my children. This film that was culmination of all of my emotions. It was a great movie. It, it's, okay, real quick. So it wasn't a great movie just because it's a comic no book spoilers. movie. And no spoilers. It was a great movie because it told a great story. And they, Marvel has done something that's never been done in cinema. They told a story over the course of twelve of, of 11 years. I'm sorry. Over the course of 11 years and 22 movies, they told one story. And they brought an ending to it um, in this film of Avengers Endgame. Go see it. If you're a comic book fan, definitely go see it. If you're just a casual moviegoer and you like well-written movies, go see it. Um, go do can, that. Can you see week. it if you haven't seen the previous Avengers film? Oh, that's a good question. I would say you need to see the one right before this. So go see Avengers Infinity War. That will... You won't be all the way caught up, but you'll be caught up enough to understand what's happening in this film. So the storyline goes Avengers Infinity War, which came out a couple of years ago, and there's a movie that was wedged in between that called Captain Marvel. You don't have to see that. Um, but then Avengers Endgame is like the third one. So go see Infinity War. Let it give, catch you up to speed a little bit. And, um, yeah, I think you'll enjoy this. My wife fell asleep in the movie. I'm so the I saw you were filing yeah. for a divorce. Yeah, you don't do that. You don't disrespect that. Like, and she fell asleep, like, not just one. She did it like, you know that old church mother who be in church, and then when the preacher really start preaching, she wake up saying amen, like she'd been mm-hmm. up the whole time. That's what my wife mm-hmm. did. Like, the certain part, she'll wake up like, yes, get him, Captain America. Papa, you been asleep. That don't, you don't know what's going on. Don't do that. Don't. Don't lie. It's okay. Ignore. She she's pretty and smart. She'll she'll get remarried. It's cool. That that doesn't don't cut the cake. I'm gonna tell everybody. Yeah, you, you, nobody <laughs> wants you now. <laughs> so that's my challenge to you all. Go check the movie. I want to thank you all so much for tuning in to Cool Kids Podcast. Um, yes. We'll be back next week, right? Next week, same time, same place. Same time, same place on our phones in two different cities. For Juju yep. Beans. And for Dez, and Dez, follow us on Facebook at Cool Kids Podcast on Facebook. Like the page, comment. You know, we will try to email us. That is, email us at Cool Kids Live Here at Gmail dot com. Cool Kids Live Here. I freaking love that. Um, <laughs> that name, Cool Kids Live Here. It wasn't. I thought it was them. Cool Kids Live Here at first. I was like, oh, interesting. Thank you for saying cool kids live here. Yeah, that's, yeah. We're not even live. You're right. We're recorded. All right. Bye, Julius. Thank you all for listening. Bye, everyone. See you next week.